0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Thank you for your attentive spirit and plugging into the presence of God and praise and worship because that breaks up the fallow ground, that prepares the soil for the seed of the Word of God. Amen. I want you to join me today, if you will, in the book of. Exodus chapter 21. I'm going to read the first six verses. It's kind of an interesting and an unusual passage of scripture. I've often um, pondered about this through the years while reading the scripture. Certainly I preached from it a few times but not many times but I felt drawn to this particularly for today and so we'll just ask the Lord to touch this word in this moment. His word is anointed. We know that. And so we just ask the Lord to let this good seed fall into good ground. The book of Exodus 21 and 1. The Bible says, Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. If thou buy an Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve. And in the seventh, he shall go out free. For nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master have given him a wife and she have borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her master's, and he shall go out by himself. And if the servant shall plainly say, "I love my master, my wife," And my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awe, and he shall serve him forever. It's an unusual passage of Scripture, and certainly in our culture today, we can't wrap our minds around the oddity of what we have just read. And so when we, uh, in, in America, when we hear the words servant or slavery, our minds rush, rightly so, perhaps, down one of the bloodiest stains in our nation's history. Because slavery was then and is now a terrible thing. However... Slavery or servitude under the Jews and in our text was very different. And so I just want to go ahead and lay that out at the outset here. That is not what we're talking about here. Because in the Mosaic law, there were many regulations that gave them control of this season of servanthood or this season of slavery. It was not... It was not to be a, a time frame. This six years was not to be a time frame of dehumanizing someone or humiliating someone. It was not that kind of slavery. It, it was really well defined under the law, and uh, according to Leviticus, and I won't take the time to read all this, but I, I do want to make reference to this because I think it's important. Leviticus twenty five verses 39 through about f- verses 42 or 43 there are very specific laws that were given uh, the levitical laws that specifically admonished how these people were to be treated and so the bible says in these over the course of these several verses that that they were to be that they were not to be treated as bond servants but they were to be treated as hired servants or they were to be treated as sojourners a sojourner somebody that's just passing through this is a temporary situation a temporary state and then the bible goes on to say in leviticus 25 that they were not to rule over them with rigor uh, they were there was this was not a heavy-handed uh, circumstance and uh, in truth it was this form of of certitude, uh, servitude served as an important function in their society it was it was a part of the social function of their day for instance a person uh, could allow themselves to become a servant of someone to pay off a debt perhaps that they owed to them and so by serving for a period of time paying off these debts or some of these debts could be repaid and then a person would be freed from their obligation so it was a it was a way of saying we're going to go work for you And uh, we're going to sign this contract and we're going to be here for six years. And in the period of time, we'll be able to settle that. And so in many instances, those that were less fortunate, the poor, could seek refuge by becoming a servant. By saying, let me just, instead of paying this back in dollars and cents, let me work this off. And so in exchange for that, not only would they receive Payment for their service but they would also receive food and clothing and shelter and so in many respects they may have their life and their lifestyle improved by this commitment and uh, in some cases servitude would even alleviate and uh, at least mitigate let me put it that way in their society the need for jails or prisons but because in some cases if someone stole something maybe they could make restitution for that by just working that off. And so it was a real part of the and a, a function of their society. And according to our scriptures, under this law, servitude was to be limited to a maximum of six years. And in the seventh year, that servant was permitted to go out. But the law was very, very specific that no one could serve as a slave or no one could serve in this capacity of a servant in perpetuity. But there was one exception, just one exception given, and that exception was that if the servant of his own free will decided to continue in the role of that role of servitude, Amen. then he would be allowed to do so. So I I know that that uh, would bring some sobering questions. Why would you be bound when you would... I'd rather be free why would anyone consent to do uh, such a thing but in some of the points that I've just made we can see where in some cases it may be advantageous they may be better off to do that uh, perhaps and uh, they had no resources but if they had a good master and if they had good living conditions and they had a fair wage and they were treated kindly then, then why not why not just stay on we will continue to do that they may view that service as gainful employment And uh, I don't know, uh, probably there's people here today that feel like uh, in your field of labor, your field of employment, there may be days that you felt like a servant. And there may have been days that if you were independently wealthy, you would just drive out and never look back. But because you're not independently wealthy, no matter how frustrated you are on Friday, somewhere over the weekend you heal up and you think, you know what, I think I'll try this again. For all intent and purposes, it would be like a job. It would be to their benefit to keep that. Uh, They may decide that the position that they hold is better than one they might be able to obtain on their own. And and so looking around, just decide, you know, I've been blessed here in some strange way. I've been blessed. And so with that, they would voluntarily submit themselves to a life of servitude. But then the scripture gives another instance. It could be that, this man had married a wife, a wife that had been given to him of his master. And it could be that children were born to him during this six years of servitude. And, and uh, so uh, then if, if that was the case, that, that he could leave but they were not allowed to leave because they were actually belonged to the sir- to the master. And so, because of his wife and his children, that man may decide, you know what? I'm just going to I would rather do what I'm doing that way i I will be able to keep my wife and I'll be able to keep my family. and And so that's one of the reasons given in our text for this choice of perpetual servitude. His love for his wife, his love for his children, but understand this, and I think this is so imperative that the choice was his, and it was made voluntarily. He was not there bound hand and foot. And so as we look at this text, I would like this, I would like us rather to apply this to our service in the kingdom of God. I want you to know something this morning. When we look around at this beautiful congregation, not one person in this building was coerced to be here. But of our own free will, we decided, and, and I would say for the vast majority of us, we didn't decide that this morning. We decided a long time ago. You knew when you left your Wednesday, as a matter of fact, if the Lord would just give you an opportunity, that you would be right back here today. Amen. This is a choice, So we need to see that this is a clear choice. I want to speak to you today about the power of freedom And I know that that title or that subject doesn't seem to fit into the context of servitude and doesn't seem to fit into the context of being bound for six years. But I want to talk to you today about the power of freedom. Because life consists of choices. Amen. Our futures are determined by the daily choices that we make. Oh, I know that we're inundated with with, uh, just a, 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 a... Long, long list of choices every day. Some of them are so minor, and 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 it really wouldn't matter one way or the other. And and sometimes we are given so many choices until we're almost brain dead at the end of the day, and we just want to feel. We just want to kind of just holler out when somebody asks if you want this or that. Just say surprise me. I've made so many decisions today. Uh, I'm not in the mood to make another decision, but. But we are also faced with imperative decisions. We There are multiple roads that we're called on to choose from. And, and the road that we choose in life, those are important roads. These are not just paths that we take for granted. Amen. There are some roads from which we could never turn back. And so i got to be careful when I stand at that intersection, when I stand at that fork in the road, the direction of my life could change here to such a degree that I may never be able to dial this back. I may never be able to get back to this longitude and latitude. So understanding this, it's unfortunate just how lightly so many people make life-altering decisions today. Amen. in the choosing of friends, in the choosing of a career, even in the choosing of a companion, these are are decisions that ought to require a lot of care and a lot of consideration. You need to think this out and make sure that we're on the right path because we've all seen people that have suffered the consequences of ill-considered choices. I think most of us who have lived a few years can, can see where one decision led to another decision. And that decision led to yet another decision. And, and it's frightening to think about. And perhaps there are many here today that could look back at some of the intersections in our lives that we, we can get far enough away from them and look back and think how differently life would have been. Tragically different had I gone this way instead of going this way. It's, it's frightening to think about where our lives could have been But there's another situation that's even more tragic, and amen, that is that no choice is more important than the choices that people make about their spiritual destiny because I just need to stand here and tell you one more time, regardless of how society would like to play this out for us, and regardless of even how the church world Would like to play this out for us. There is a heaven and there is a hell. Amen. We're going to spend eternity somewhere amen and it's going to be either heaven or it's going to be either hell and so I tell you today that when we are making life changing eternity altering decisions we ought to think this through and say God I want to make sure that my peace call and election is sure I want to seek out my salvation with fear and trembling I want to not just take someone else's word for this but I want to reach out and I want to get this book in my hand and I want to hide this word in my heart and I want to ask the Lord to open my eyes to his revelation to the word of God Amen. those roads, those roads those spiritual roads upon which we travel They will not only impact our lives here and now, but they will also impact our lives for eternity. But I want to put a comma there. I want to to continue this thought because the decisions that we make not only affect our lives here and now, not only do they affect our lives for eternity, but the decisions that we make today are not just going to affect us there are those decisions today that we make can and they will affect other lives for years if not even for decades to come. Over the last few days my wife and I were privileged to spend some time with friends and, and as they began to reflect upon some of their years of ministry and, and uh, in a moment of just transparent honesty they said you know I had one goal in ministry, I had one desire one desire in ministry and, and then he shared that one goal, that one thing. It just seemed like a simple thing, not a big request, not certainly a big request for the, the, for the big God that we're serving. And that was my goal. This is what I wanted. And then when, when he said that, tears filled his eyes. But he said, but that just wasn't the plan of God. That just wasn't the plan of God. And so God took me here and then God took me here, and then God took me here, and then the Lord took me somewhere else, and and then he began to go back and connect the dots. He said, I couldn't see this for many years, but now I realize that if I hadn't been here, then God could have never gotten me here, and if I hadn't been here, then God could have never gotten me here and he realized in the grand scheme of things that it was God that was just ever so gently because one good decision led to another good decision and that decision led to another good decision and I can unequivocally tell you today that scores and scores of lives have been changed because somebody said, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done, amen. I will tell you that that one desire he had he will leave this world never having been able to check that one box but there's so many boxes below that that God said I'm going to allow you I'm talking about the power of freedom when we get in the will of God what God can do in a life that will just yield themselves into the hand of God and say Lord I'm just here I'm just here to do whatever you would have me do and the lens may be blurred and our lives may look like a kaleidoscope instead of a clear picture, but I will tell you that in the hand of God, God knows what he's doing. He knows exactly our steps, and he said that our steps are ordered of him, and I'm going to walk as Paul said circumspectly. I want to pray, Lord help me to step courageously, but let me step carefully. Help me to be bold God, but help me to be wise and let my life be used of you. Amen. The truth of the matter is, is that there's basically only two roads two choices on the one hand we can choose to serve satan and his kingdom and i know nobody would ever raise their hand to say yep that's what i'd like to do and that's what i'm going to do nobody would ever don themselves the robe don that robe and say this is me but I will tell you that we make these choices every day in many ways and they're not all equally obvious. When we choose to serve Satan and his kingdom, amen, we, do, we choose that when we say, Lord, I'm not gonna do your will and I'm not gonna do your way. When we continue to run our own lives by our own rules, then I'll tell you what we're doing. We're giving our hands and our lives over to the hands of our enemy, amen. When the Bible, when we choose the, to habitually indulge in sin, then we become what the Bible says a slave to sin a servant to sin I'm preaching to people here today who can lift their hand and say I remember what it was like to be a servant to sin I remember what it was like to be a slave to sin I will tell you I'm talking about the power of freedom the power of freedom Uh, uh, from time to time there's something that comes up on my phone just a little, little short videos and I don't rem- remember the exact name uh, of this particular site, but what it basically amounts to, it's stories from the streets or something like that. And, and, uh, and, and so I've, I've never seen the person that's doing the interviewing, but they will just interview people and many of them are very, very young and they are homeless. And, and, and he's just asking them to tell me a little bit about your life. Just tell me a little bit about your life. And when you look into their lives, many of them, they look, sometimes 20 years or even more than that, older than they really are because life on the streets and life in alleys of drug addiction and alcoholism and all manner of lifestyle, all of that has taken such a toll on them. I will tell you that when we choose to indulge in sin, we're going to become a slave to Satan, a slave to sin. We won't do what we want to do. We'll do what sin wants us to do. We won't do what God wants us to do. We'll do what what flesh wants us to do because we're a Satan, we're a servant of Satan and we do his bidding. That's one road. But the other road is to become a servant of God. Amen, we become his servant when we surrender our lives to him and we give ourselves unconditionally to do the will of God and just gonna be a servant of Christ. I'm gonna do what you'd have me to do, Lord. I'm gonna walk in your way. The apostle Paul, he was courageous enough Bold enough to even categorize himself as a bond servant of Jesus Christ. No higher calling. Paul realized there's no higher calling than to be a servant of Jesus Christ. And there's no higher calling. Not only for the apostle Paul, but there's no higher calling for anybody in this building today to be a servant of the Lord. There are many people, and perhaps some here this morning, that find yourself in what the and what the Bible calls a valley of decision the children of israel they found themselves in that valley of decision they had been led forth from egypt if you know anything about the scripture you know they were in egypt's bondage but they were led forth out of egypt and yet even though they had been delivered they were not fully committed to god's plan for their lives As a matter of fact, Hebrews 11 and 15, it's a shocking scripture really. The Bible says, and truly if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had opportunity to return. Just think about that. That God would bring them out. God would deliver them out of bondage. But the Bible talks about that there was something in them. If they had been mindful, they could have returned to the life that they have been delivered from. Can I tell you today that we're not very far away from where we used to be. If we just got to keep our minds on the Lord and our eyes focused because hell would take us back. Hell would provide a a seat at the table hell would roll out the red carpet but I tell you I want to make up my mind hallelujah I don't want to live my life I don't want to live my life in the valley of decision hallelujah but I want to say Lord let me be far enough away from the things that used to pull me that the only sound I hear is the voice of you amen oh God help us in that regard praise God amen the Lord is not going to hold us To unwilling servitude. God's looking for willing servants. He's looking for people that will dedicate themselves to his cause. The Bible says that we cannot serve God and mammon. That's a strange word for us today, but that really means the world. We can't serve God and the world. We've got to be clear about one thing. To choose one road means we reject the other road. Because you can't drive down both. And so when we choose this way, that means we're rejecting this way. And so when we surrender to the Lord, we're surrendering to him and making a lifetime commitment and to receive the Lord. That means I'm gonna deny that world. That means that I'm not looking back. My whole heart is in this thing. I've cashed it all in. You see, too many people have tried to make Jesus a part of their lives without surrendering all of their lives. But you can't serve God half hearted. I believe I could also say, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, certainly not gonna ask you to stand, get up and run. But I believe that there are people that have served the Lord with their half heart. And you realize that's a miserable place to be, because you gotta get all the way in, it'll never work. Amen. We're trying to do what the Bible says is impossible, and that serve two masters. It's what Paul referred to in 2 Timothy 3 and 5 as having the form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. You need the power of the Holy Ghost to live for the Lord. Amen. That's why people, you can't just do this because you made up your mind. We've got to have him inside to lead us and direct us and guide our steps. Amen, but I'll tell you, we've got the power in him. The Lord's not gonna hold us to a life of unwilling servitude, but there is another alternative. We can surrender everything to him. Amen, we can give God the power to do with us as he will, and so that's the piercing question. That piercing question is, if you had a choice today, would you turn around? If you could get free, would you be free? Amen, you see, when so many people had deserted the Lord, Jesus turned to the 12 Amen, his disciples that were left and he asked them a shocking question. Matter of fact, he asked a question that we may not have even had the courage to bring up at the moment because everybody had deserted him everybody was gone i mean there wasn't 5000 anymore there were no longer 500 there were no longer 120 he looked around him and there were 12 and jesus just looked at the 12 not because he was pompous not because he was arrogant amen but he was here to do his father's business i'm going to build a church and so he asked them will you also will you also go away thank god thank god for Simon Peter amen that had the courage to speak up and say what everybody else was thinking he said Lord to whom shall we go thou hast the words to eternal life amen that is enough that's a powerful statement but that's not all he said amen he went on to say we believe and we are sure that thou art the Christ the son of the living God to whom else would we go You've got the words to eternal life. Besides all this, we've had a revelation that thou art the son of God. We believe and we are sure we know. I'm gonna tell you this morning, I know too much to turn back now. I know too much. God's done too much. Amen, we believe and we are sure. Can you can you join me today? Amen, and say, I've just, God's done too much. He's opened my eyes too wide. I have found life. I found peace. I found joy. I found truth. I found forgiveness. I found meaning. I found purpose in life. I found out who I am. I found out why I'm here. Why would I want to turn around and go back now? I've experienced the power of freedom. Hallelujah. Mm, ah, Hallelujah. Yes, we could close the Bible and never open it again. We can walk out of these doors and never walk in a church door again. But I'm going to tell you, I'm not here under duress. I'm not here because somebody pressed me to be here. Here, but I'm here because in my heart of hearts I want to give God everything I have and I'll tell you when we turn out the lights and lock the door I'm going to go home and say Lord I wish I could have done a little bit more and sang one more song it a little bit louder preach a little bit harder you've done so much for me amen Hallelujah. this world has nothing to offer amen that doesn't mean we're perfect please don't mistake that. It doesn't mean that the pleasure is sin. What the Bible even says for a season has no effect on our flesh. We're not living up here in some bubble. Amen. How about the rest of y'all? Amen. We're not living up here in some protected bubble where sin has no lure where sin has no appeal, but we understand this, that it's pleasure for a season. It's just temporary. Amen. We've come to know this, that when we weigh everything out, when we put it all in the balances of life, this life is gonna come up woefully short, woefully short. Amen. It's gonna be found wanting, as the scripture says, compared to just one moment in the presence of the Lord. I wanna look back at verse number five for just a moment. Exodus 21 and five. The Bible says, and if the servant shall plainly say I love my master my wife and my children amen I will not go out free I think it's curious that the the servant had to to say and the scripture is so specific to say he's got to plainly say this you got to plainly say I love my wife I love my master rather, I love my wife and I love my children and so the first thing that we need to do is ask ourselves if we can truly say that amen when I look around at all the Lord has done for me how could I not say I love my master how can I not say I love you Lord he loved me before I cared anything about him amen he saw a need before I ever knew anything about that need in my life he devised a plan to save our soul when we didn't even realize we were lost he came to this earth and endured the flesh of humanity amen and the Bible says yet without sin however he went to the cross gave himself amen to the pit Of our sins, he purchased what we could not purchase, and because of that sacrifice, we are made free. But that's not all. Look at what the Lord's doing for us right now. Think about his patience because none of us are perfect, and yet, in the midst of our own struggles, he is patient with us and he continues to work with us because the church is not a museum for the perfected, it is a hospital. Amen. This is a spiritual clinic. This is where we find healing. And and so no matter how dressed up we may look today, there are wounds. And I'm not talking about hidden sin. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about the frailness of flesh. But when we fall, he just picks us up. Hallelujah. You're in the company this morning of a lot of people that know how to get up. Because we've fallen many, many times. But those who truly know the Lord can say with all their heart, I love my master. And, of course, the list could go on and on. I'm going to ask our musicians and if they will to come. But I, I, I want you to stay with me for just a few more moments. Notice that the servant had to also say, not just I love my master, but I love my wife and my children. Because in truth, and this is not a statement made to make anyone feel guilty, but I think it should sober us. But in truth, there are many others for which we must press on. Our decisions are going to impact them. Amen. I've got to press on, not just for my sake, I've got to press on because somebody else is going to be impacted by my decision. Amen. Do you know how many lives that your life affects? And how much influence you have on people. You say, well, I don't, I don't have any influence. You're, you're kidding yourself. If you think you can just do whatever you want to and it's just going to happen right there in that little vacuum, you're listening to the wrong voice. Because there are people that are watching you. There are people that are looking at your life. And I speak to all ages today, young and old alike, that we've got to be careful how we walk. We got to be careful where we walk. We got to be careful what we do because people are watching us. The enemy would love to convince us otherwise. Amen. But what would happen if we turned around now? What would happen if we just said, I'm done and walked away? Because you see, there's people that are depending on your example, and there are people that are depending on your testimony. And you might look around you today and say, well, they're, they're not serving the Lord. And I don't see them here this morning sitting on pews. But I ask you this question, and I want you to really hear me. How much further from truth would people be if they didn't have you to look to? Amen. Can I say that one more time? How much further from truth would people be if they didn't have you to look to? Now, I hesitate to say this. Because I don't want you to take me wrong or this to be taken out of context. But I've been stopped many, many times in town. And I understand that some of this is the benefit of being in a smaller community. But I've had people that have never, ever walked through the doors of this church. At least they haven't for over 34 years. Who have told me that we look to you as like a community pastor. Amen. Now, that's not a title I ask for. As a matter of fact, I didn't really like the pressure that came with that. Because that means I didn't only have to, to make sure I'm walking circumspectly for your sake, but it was a reminder that others are watching. That's right. And so what kind of ramifications would there be? And you say, well, it's easy for you to say that because you're a pastor and you're in front of a lot of people and you're holding the microphone today, but you see... In a trickle-down way, we all have that same kind of influence. And you may say, like me, I, I would have liked to have handed that title back. I didn't ask for that. I wasn't running for this office. I wasn't looking for that. But there's a lot of people that may look to you as a community leader, a community influencer. I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm talking about here today. Amen. So... What kind of an effect would this have on them? What about your neighbors? And what about the people that you work with? And what about the lost people that you are yet to meet? Amen. It's a serious thing. And so I want to ask you to stand, if you will. Amen. Jesus turned to his own disciples. I mentioned this a moment ago. And he said, will you go? But they said, where are we going to go? You're the way. You're the truth. Now I want to just remind you of this. That there is a real commitment involved in a choice of perpetual service. Just stay with me a few more minutes. The Bible says that after six years this man could go free. But he had to make a choice. His master shall bring him if he plainly says... I love my master, and I love my wife, and I love my children. Then the Bible says this, verse number 6. The scripture says, The master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall bring him before witnesses, rulers. And he shall bring him to the door, or to the doorpost. And his master shall bore a hole through his ear with an awl. And he shall serve him forever. That sounds morbid. I understand. It's hard to wrap our minds around that. But he was going to bring him before witnesses. Bring him to the doorpost. Pierce his ear. As barbaric as that may seem to us today. It was a common practice. And it had a very significant meaning. Because to bore his ear through with an awl. Was a ceremony that implied. I'm connecting myself to this house. Amen. I'm connected to this house. Not only that. But I have connected my ear to the voice of my sermon my master I have connected my ear to the voice of my master I want to be connected to the house and I want to be connected to the master how about you Amen. I want to hear what the Lord is saying to me day by day. I wonder if we could slip our hands up this morning and just ask God to touch us in this house today. We're talking about the power of freedom. We've been set free by the power of the Lord. Amen. I'm thankful for the hand of God that has washed us, that has baptized us, that has anointed our mind.